Hello all, it's Anzac Day. Tim Wilshire here from the Resort Podcast, episode number 47. Uh, personally, we've, we wanted to have on the podcast for a while now. Um, Rebecca Hembrow, who I did meet uh, at Rotary Queenstown more than two years ago, two and a half years ago. Um, and then she, uh, I guess, has gone away to Cromwell a little bit, but uh, uh, she's, a, she's a teacher um, at Mount Aspiring College, uh, technology uh, specialist as well. Uh, here to tell her story today, she did do a really, really good presentation. I think I want to say it was about 18 months ago mm. at a Rotary meeting, so there might be some stuff touched on there, but welcome along to the podcast, Beck. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me and your beautiful cats here, keeping me warm and comfortable. I love <laughs> no it. No worries. Okay. We all like to start off these things as early life, so whereabouts, tell us a bit about your upbringing, where were you born and raised, and what were some of your early influences growing up? Mm. So I was... Born and raised in the southwest of England, in a beautiful part of the country, Somerset. So think thatched roofs, everybody knows everyone. Um, in my village, there was a shop which closed on Wednesdays and Sundays. It felt like somebody's front living room. It wasn't really a shop, it was like a post office. Um, I once went there to buy matches, which you know I shouldn't have been doing, but you know me, nine years old, a um, bit of a rebel, and the woman phoned my mum and said, your daughter's buying matches, what, what does she need it for? <laughs> so that's the kind of very small uh, country, so, yeah. everyone know everyone, but a lovely place, building dens, yep. out, come back when you're hungry, it was very much uh, that kind of feel, yeah, growing up. Yeah, so what was school life like? Um, I'm, I can't remember what you said about school life if in your in your presentation. Was, but... Yeah, well, I I grew up in this small wee village called yeah. Oak. I mean, it was yeah. named after a tree, for goodness sake. It was that small. Yeah. And we had a small school, about 30 people, um, 30 students, two teachers. So quite isolated, but everyone knew everyone, as I said. So a really lovely community feel. And then I went off to secondary school at a nearby other village which all the other primary schools fed into mm. so yeah and then obviously I went into teaching later on but I never wanted to be a teacher so did you get involved in much sport at all uh, growing up there in the UK I wasn't really a sporty sporty but I loved climbing you know I like cli rock climbing indoor rock climbing I loved swimming I loved horse riding but I wasn't part of the netball team or the soccer team or I wasn't into that I was just kind of I'm I still am I like exercising doing real world stuff rather mm. than going to the gym or doing a team sport I'd rather mm. just ride a horse or go yep. kayaking or go water skiing you know I'd rather yep. do something very active like that yeah definitely and uh, can you remember what your first job was growing up absolutely it was at the uh, Oak and Bradford Inn a local pub there was no street lights on the way there there were no street lights on the way back I didn't have a light on my bike but I knew the village like the back of my hand so I used to go there and I was a kitchen prep and then I went into a bit of waitressing, but it's basically the chef and I and everyone from the village. So, yeah. And how do you think that sort of uh, fared with your uh, career development? How did that shape your career path back then? Mm, I didn't really, I had some really good advice when I was at school and it wasn't do this, get a, you know, work hard, get a job, da, da, da. It was all about enjoying learning and saying yes to opportunities and enjoying what you do so from that perspective my it wasn't really I never really had a carved path I just really enjoyed certain things and I did them and I got skilled at them and I ended up going to university 
a year early, and skipping a foundation level because of so my portfolio. So when you went to uni, what was the first? What, what was the first sort of course you were studying at uni? It was advertising and graphic design. Okay. Because I was an ideas person. I was an ideation person. So then, I, and I loved visuals, and I, I still mm. love all of that. And so, but it was all very much about ideas and concepts and strategies and mission statements. Mm. So I did a degree in advertising and graphics, specialised in advertising, mm. in particular TV, above the line we used to call it in London. So that's mm. TV, um, billboards, and then below the lines things like radio, mm. um, press, and things like that. Yeah. So I was trained to work in a team, copywriter, art director, yeah. and come up with ideas, original ideas, day after day, day after day, mm. on big campaigns, small campaigns. Mm. Um, so yeah, so I did that. And then through my university, we enter competitions. And there was one called a DNAD competition, which is like an advertising Oscars. So I had this opportunity to enter this student competition, entered, won a yellow pencil and mm. I you get I don't know two thousand pounds or something mm. it was like a student sort of thing and I said to my mum who's one of twelve she's we've got a big family it's like the mafia without the violence big family and I said to my mum I came home and I said I've never felt so rich in my life where have we got family in the world and she said let me get back to you Bex I said okay turned out we had a I call her an auntie because everyone's pretty much an auntie when you know your mum's one of twelve but we had an one auntie 12, yeah <laughs> six of each my mum's the baby yeah. of the group Jeez. And they said that we had family in Mauritius. So even though I was very advertising driven, there's a few pivotal moments in my like career yeah. in advertising. I'm not sure how it works over here, but it's very cutthroat and it's very competitive. And I think it's competitive most of the places around the world. Yeah, but I didn't really understand like the competitiveness like with a lack of moral compass at the same time. And I yeah. never really, that always felt very uncomfortable to me. Mm. I remember having critiques with teams in London and, and people on my course phoning up, pretending they were me trying to get into my critique. And then it was just kind of part and parcel of the course. And I thought it was a, just a bit of a bizarre way to go about life. So in the end, I went to Mauritius and I spent two months there with the prize money I had from my DNAD award. Mm. And I ended up, teaching with my auntie, Daniela, who was lovely. I say auntie, she's like an auntie, who knows if she's blood related. And I loved teaching with her in her sort of Sunday school. Mm. So when I came back, I thought, I don't know about this advertising, it's a bit shallow for me. And there was an incident where I was in a, uh, a bar, I think it was a TBWA, it was a big advertising company, and we were a student team, me and my partner, Sarah, and we were downstairs in the in the bar in the evening. I think they had like Smirnoff as a client, so everything was free in this bar. And I was I lived a little bit out of where the agency was because it was in central London. And I remember losing my wallet and my Oyster card, which is like the tube card. And I remember thinking, I can't get home, and it's half eleven, and what's going to happen? But it's okay because I know all these people, and they look after me, and they have mm. my back. And I remember going to probably about four or five people. And it became very apparent that no one had my back and no one was that really interested that I'd lost my wallet and my Oyster card and I had nowhere to stay. Mm. And I remember looking out on this dance floor with my heart sinking going, nobody's actually my friend here. They're just kind of good time people, you know, people who are there for a good time with you mm. when the chips are up. And I remember looking out and there were these lasers. I'll never forget, it's like lasers and everyone was partying. And I remember thinking, no one here is my actual friend. I can't mm. count on anyone here. And it was a real like sinking feeling. And because I'd had a few cosmopolitans at the time, 
<laughs> I actually went into the bathroom. So I thought, I know what I've probably done. I've probably left it in the bathroom. and did a... So I went to the bathroom. And the first girl I met coming out of the bathroom, I think I opened the door a little bit suddenly. And she was like a bit shocked. And she kind of stood back. And I said, have you got my wallet? And she said, yeah, is it this one? And she had it in her hand. And I remember thinking, I think this is a sign from the universe just gave me that actually no one here is actually the kind of people you want to be surrounding yourself by. Mm. So I went to Mauritius and got, loved sort of the teaching and that kind of soul nourishing work of teaching with my auntie on Sundays at her Sunday school. And I came back and I enrolled in a postgrad teaching. And that, that was then carved out in that direction. Okay, so your career sort of making a change there in your mm. tw- in your early twenties, I mm. guess. Yeah. Um, so tell us about some of those defining moments and any other sort of lessons you've learned along the way in your in your sort of early part of your career. Yeah, I think with teaching, there's a few little nuggets you get. You know, you've got courses and you've got lectures and you've got all this information, but there's always a few little key nuggets, you know, that you mm. get from various people, and. One of them, when I was a beginning teacher, I remember him saying to me, you are the weather in your classroom. So if you are bright and breezy and energetic, then you can expect that from the kids. And if you're doom and gloom and rah, 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 then you're kind of probably going to radiate that back to yourself. So that was actually a really lovely lesson that I always take to work because you don't know what kind of day that the kids have had. Mm. And actually they're not responsible for the kind of morning you've had. So I think being the weather in your classroom is something that, a little mantra that I always um, kind of carry forward. My my family isn't particularly religious, but I always, you know, think of the, and I teach my daughter this as well, is to treat people as you would like to be treated. Mm. Uh, She's only five, but she, you know, I sort of say that and hopefully she reflects very simple rules, you know, not rocket science. Mm. Um, but definitely a couple of pivotal moments. Mm. So tell us about when was the first time you sort of uh, came out to the South Island of New Zealand and and, and saw the beauty of Queenstown and uh, obviously it's known for its breathtaking landscapes, outdoor adventures, which is you know sort of suits some of the stuff that you like as well. Mm. Um, tell us about that and how that's sort of influenced your uh, professional and personal life. Yeah, well, I'm very much of the idea that we are here for a finite amount of time and none of us are getting out of here alive. We're all gonna perish one day. So I think if you, if you find something that makes your heart sing and that really you know, ignites like an excitement in you and then you get to the logical part that goes, oh, but you can't move and you have to get residency and blah, da, 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 da. You just gotta ignore that other voice, that like negative one and just think, yes, but I'm only here for a finite amount of time, mm. even if I try and it doesn't work out, at least I tried. Mm. I could, everything will work out in the end. I'm very much of that mindset of everything will work out in the end, you know? Mm. So mm. I came here, I actually was going for a walk with a boyfriend at the time. We were both teachers and we we're going around the country lanes in Somerset um, and we were discussing traveling. And I was like, well, you know, we're teachers. We've got this, you know, we've got amazing holidays, six weeks. And I was like, but actually, what about doing a world tour? Anyway, long story short, we had this idea of taking a term off, going to our bosses, going to our headmasters, headmistresses, and saying, can we have a term off, unpaid, because I really just want to see the world. I was probably about 23, 24 at the time. He was a wee bit older. 
so we had this plan and I, was, and I was really excited about it and I was like oh I'm so excited about going to work on Monday and just asking for this term worst they can say is no best they can say is yes and we got this adventure so anyway Monday came spoke to Mr Carter who was the head headmaster of a place in Bristol I was living in Bath at the time great school taught me heaps really great technology department and art department went in asked for this term off and he was sort of a bit taken aback he's like what, what what and I was like I just want to go see the world um I'll do an international art technology project at the same time so you'll get something out of it as well I want to go to New Zealand I want to go to India I want to do da 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 Australia I just want to see the world and I need a bit of time to do it like three months yeah so he said yep yeah, perfect you know we'll give you that time speak to your department my department was amazing they covered my classes um and that was that. So I phoned my boyfriend at the time on the Tuesday saying, oh, that's great news. How did you go? And he actually hadn't, he was, he was just a, a talker of it. He didn't actually want to do it. He had those, that voice, that negative voice of, oh, you can't do that. And what about your career? And da, 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 da. So he and, himself out of it? Or? Yeah, talked himself out of it, but also just a bit scared of what yeah. may happen if you try and don't mm. get there. Yeah. So I booked my ticket on the Friday <laughs> and I said, catch me up. <laughs> or catch me oh, up, yeah. or maybe, you know, yeah. maybe actually, you know, um, it was quite a new relationship, so we were just kind of figuring each other yeah. out as well. Yeah. Um, but, he, you know, I have that to thank for him, because if I, without that walk, I wouldn't have been inspired, and I wouldn't have, you know, booked it and spoke to my head, you know, headmaster, etc. So I came out here in 2004, fell in love with the place, went to India, Australia, I've got some family in Perth, um, you know, did, did like the world tour, came to... New Zealand, came down here, and I thought, that I really would love to move to New Zealand. Note to self, don't forget this, don't get back to England and be swamped by all the rest of everything, the noise of life. And so I got back and I said to my family, Listen, I'm pretty much sure I'm going to move to New Zealand, mm. um, so just brace yourself for that because I'm going to make it happen. And yeah. they thought, oh, here we go, she's, she, when she's saying it out loud, it's going to happen. And my brother at the time wanted to buy this house and he needed my help to do it for a family home. And so I was secured into England for about five years to pay off this mortgage with him. And I was probably about 23, but I probably paid off the mortgage. We paid it all off together as a family when I was 28. And I'm, I'm July 28. And by the October, I'd got my residency ready to move to New Zealand. I'd already had it in my brain and I was, I was out, you know, mm. um, and yeah, and then I came here and I didn't have a job. Teachers were on the shortest list, which was great. Mm. Um, but on my world tour, I'd had a few chats with different schools, one of which being Kings up in Auckland. And they were really kind and wrote me a really lovely letter about how highly employable I was. And that allowed me to get my residency in my passport in the London embassy where New Zealand has an embassy, um, before I even stepped on the plane. And uh, that was all what secured. year was that? That was 2011. I came over permanently okay. with my residence visa in my passport, mm. uh, which I was very glad about because I think about six months later, I was up at King's um, working and I was talking to some teachers and they were saying how hard it was to get residency. And I thought, well, I don't know, that doesn't really reflect my experience. And it, yeah. the teachers had come off the shorted list at that point. Mm. So I was very glad that I took that opportunity when it arose. Yeah, okay, excellent. So um, that's that's good. Uh, tell me some. So you've been here more than a decade, obviously in the area. I guess down in down in South yeah. Island. Uh, tell us a bit about uh, your favourite memories and experiences of Queenstown so far, 
And what, I mean, obviously some of the things that draw you here. Mm. Well, around us is absolute beauty. Mm. Everywhere. And I'm, I'm a visual person. I get sucked into this landscape. And I'm a painter, so I am always thinking about how to utilize it in whatever I'm doing, whether it be horse riding or paddle boarding, or I just want to be in it, you know, immersive in it. And yeah, I think it's just a case of it grabs you this place. You know, there's not, there's no um, secret, the fact that this place, you know, you could come for a few months. How many people have you met and they've come here for a few months and then 10 years later, they're still here. Or, you know, I was out mm. with dinner with a couple of friends last night from Auckland and one of the girls had come down here for a break and you know three and a half years later she's still here and yeah. you know there is a little there's a magicness to this place there's, there's definitely a magicness to it and that's what you know obviously what draws mm. draws people in there one of the things you sort of told me when we were setting up this date for the podcast mm. was um you wanted to talk a bit about a business venture that you're starting or yeah so so, I'm a, so the question about that yeah. is um it's always it's always a big step if, if it's a new business venture. Mm. Um, tell us more about it and what it's inspired you to start that business venture in this uh, area, I guess. Mm. Well, a couple of things. So I love painting and creating in, in general. So that mm. could be sculpture or mixed media or we were doing fabric the other day, my business partner and I, and I... So you do have a business partner? Yeah, yeah, okay. who really inspired me to take it okay. to the next level. And it came from the fact that I had friends, close friends around for dinner or they come around for lunch, etc. Mm. and works all around my house. Like it's plastered yeah. on the house. My partner always jokes about, I'm going to put stuff on the ceiling next. And I was mm. thinking, that's a great idea. <laughs> I was thinking, yeah. you know, well, the Sistine Chapel did it. Why not me? Mm. Um, so I always, I always have artwork around. And I noticed that people would come around and be like, I love that zebra, or I love Mount Cook that you painted. I could never do that, was the next thing I would say. Mm. And I thought to myself, this is ridiculous. Everybody can do this. But mm. no one's got the, or not many people, I should say, have the opportunity to do it, or the confidence to do it, all the time, or the facilities, you know, mm. or whatever it may be. But I thought, for my friends, because I love my friends dearly, and you probably get this as well, your friends of Queenstown, especially when you're so far away from home and family, they actually become a bit more like family. They feel mm. very close, my friends to me. Yep. Because for me, they are like mm. my family because mm. they have to be because I have no family here. And so I started doing these paint and sips at my house. Mm. And we would do... It's a, it's a great concept. I don't know yeah. how long it's been around for, but you know, I've been to a few of these and painted you know a picasso picture or a picture of a bridge or something yeah exactly yeah monet bridge so i used to do these because i have lots of different works around my house that i've made mm. and you know one day would go and, and we'd basically it started at the beginning of the holidays end of term you're knackered and the beginning of that weekend of the holidays i'd say right i'm going to put on a dinner mm. and we're going to do mono printing Yep. 10 of you invited, all you need to bring is yourselves and some wine if you want, I'll put on dinner, we'll have entree, main, dessert, mm. all catch up, mm. have a great time and I'll teach you this technique. Mm. And it started off, we did mono printing, we did um, oil, we did um, life drawing, you know, we got this this Czech Republic guy that um, was in town and he was, you know, our model and it was great and we did collage and sewing and anything you can think of. So I did this really for myself because I love my friends and also for them because I wanted them to gain confidence and know that they could do anything they wanted to. It mm. wasn't like a 
magic skill that I'd kind of, you know, got from somewhere. You can actually just build it. Mm. And one of my friends, who I met at a bread uh, making course, actually, in the Sherwood, mm. Um, she's my business partner now. She said to me, you should do this as a business. This is everyone, you know, would love this. And I said, I know, but I've got so many ideas. I've got so many things, you know, I just not really that confident in the accounting side, the publicity side. Oh, cats. It's okay. Well, <laughs> I can't believe you did that. <laughs> so just, uh, just so the viewers know, a cat just, um, tipped over whilst jumping dramatically to their little den um, just knocked oh, over a glass that's okay though work us both up <laughs> um so where was it oh yeah my business partner sarah lamerson amazing um entrepreneur fantastic done amazing work in in queenstown for um the greatest needs fund you know volunteered left right and center amazing amazing ideas person she said how about i do the stuff that you don't want to do and you do the stuff that you want to do because I love the stuff I do and you love the stuff you do and let's just see how it goes mm. and I said oh okay what, what's the worst that can happen I'm a yes person mm. I was like what's the worst that can happen let's try it out <clears throat> so we developed creative workshops company and we go for and facilitate corporate events we've got after this I'm going to Aratown to do some workshops in SLR photography and watercolor painting um, for the community and we do, yeah, we do paint and sips and we do gin making. She's a gin maker, distiller. She's an amazing, amazing woman. And we um, have put that out to the community. And we, mm. do, we do like the winter in Cromwell. We do some Luma stuff at the end of um, yeah, looking May as well. Yeah, for the Luma stuff. I mean, that's, that's fascinating that it's back after, you know, obviously 2021 was fantastic when I was on here. Mm. The whole gardens. Yeah. And Luma, it was Lumify last year, which is still great. Mm. Um, and I've been part of that, that that's another great team mm. in Queenstown mm. I mean I'm, I'm you know I work in the education sector which mm. is you know it has restrictions mm. you know it is it's, it's a tough gig being a teacher you yeah. know you have to have a passion for it and you have to have a certain heart for it and love for it and I love coming out of advertising into education the Luma team are so ambitious and passionate and they're so inspiring just to have a conversation with because they're all like, yeah, we could do that. Yeah, we could do this. Yeah, we could do that. And I love that energy that they mm. have. Mm. And I'm lucky enough to be part of that school's program that's been mm. built up since its inception um, in, I think it's 2016 we started. And so I do all of the school's program for the Otago region. Okay. So we've got thousands of students who've just entered in it's an eight month project so it actually starts last september it started august september and we've had all of the school teachers doing their work in their different schools and it's all being brought together directors have selected their choice and now it's actually been produced this year mm. this year's amazing i always say this because every year it gets more amazing but this year to change things up a little bit, they've given the schools a budget to work with, which is unheard of for an external facility to give a school a budget to work with a non-curriculum project, you yeah. know. And it, they have also the, the work that's being made, it's being produced in uh, Wanaka by Way Innovations. An amazing guy, Pro Bona, is, is making the work out of stainless steel. Mm. I'm going to weld it together and wow. it's going to be amazing mm. i can't see too much about it because you have to go but 
it's oh, uh, for sure. yeah it's so great and they're going to get the work back the artists themselves mm. who are 9 10 12 year olds 15 year olds mm. um, but it's an amazing program that I'm really privileged to be a part of cool who are some of your heroes and role models either in your, the, the industries or, or um, you know obviously going through your career or outside it and I guess how they influence your approach to your work and life generally. Yeah, I don't really have um, you know role models that are far away from me that I aspire to that I've never met. Yeah, it's more people that I have in my life yeah. that I think, ah, oh, you have something that I would aspire to have. Okay, and how do I get there? Um, so I have I have an auntie and uncle who are the loveliest. Um, you know, and I've got a lot of aunts and uncles. You know, I've got a lot of choice. <laughs> But these guys, there's I've got a lot of I got so many much fun. But Auntie Marlene and Uncle Stephen, they are so in love still, and they have always been so in love since I was like a kid. I remember seeing them going, "You guys are so in love. You're you're old, and you're you know you're older than me. You should be like bickering and like really like ignoring each other a little bit and like you know." And all the relationships I've ever seen didn't have that much love in it. So for me, as a role model for relationships, Auntie Marlene and Uncle Stephen are like top top of the food chain on that one okay um so i'm still aspiring to be there but you know just little things like when my auntie marlene's talking he'll like rub her ear and like you know like just Mm. weird stuff and i'm like that is so lovely you know Mm. that you can just do that whenever you want Mm. um and she was actually the lovely auntie who got me over to her friend or auntie danielle in mauritius she's a connector as well Mm. and i saw that growing up how she would connect things together she'd be like oh you want to go to Mauritius you should speak to this person or mm. oh you should do this you know when I moved to New Zealand for mm. the first time there was a family's friend's son that was here in Auckland and mm. you know kind of and I met him in Auckland last week and we went for lunch you know so mm. we're all it, she's a connector which mm. I loved yeah um there's people like professionally that I've seen in 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 situations and I think how calm they are and how compassionate they are but these are real world in my life role models mm. you know my business partners like inspirational the amount of um productivity she does she's studying mm. a gin tour business you know and she's got her own accountancy firm and i was like well, wow. you, were, you were like superwoman you mm. know so all these people gin are and accountancy that's interesting yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> these are separate these are separate yeah. entities but yeah. they're um they're quite close to home my role models yeah definitely nice yeah. I mean, there's, there's always many out there, and usually it's people that are close to you, probably more so than people that, you know, as you said, from far away, mm. a, lot, a lot of the time too. Mm. Um, if you're looking towards your future, um, mm. what, what are some of your goals and aspirations, personally, professionally? Um, what do you hope to achieve in the coming years? Do you sort of set yourself like a, a couple of things, I want to do this and I want to achieve that? Mm. So I think I have found, so with, with the Luma work, we have student voice that we um, ideation wise for the concept of Luma. So we say to the students, what do you think we should do this year? And they come back with their feedback. I get all the ideas. I speak to the director. I'm like the middleman. I speak to the directors. I say, these are the ideas. What do you think? And they tell me which one's the strongest. And I go back to mm. the students, go to the teacher. So I'm like the middle man, a connector as, as mm. well as my auntie was and yep. is still. And so, one of the themes that have been generic through the last three years from Student Voice is this overwhelm and this sense of um, a real lack of well-being within the 
student population and that feeds into or you know is attached to the parents and it goes through to the community it's that ripple effect you know that kind of Mm. goes out which is you know part of the positive psychology well-being realm in it's a proven research of the ripple effects if 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 people feel it it you know it it ebbs out so well-being is actually a very um through my work with luma and in education i mean teachers are on strike at the moment and you know students are overwhelmed to the max and i think well-being is a very uh worthwhile and authentic reason and purpose and gives me meaning for Mm going forward mm. so i love my work the last three loom exhibitions have been all about well-being and this one this year is is not different um, because it's just a recurring theme that's happened so well-being is definitely a direction i want to move in um, i think there's also scope to do that within the creative workshop co space um, we've been working on um, product design to help facilitate teachers and people in their lives to yeah. actually build a gratitude practice mm. easily to share um, the five ways of well-being mm. and actually know what that's about. Um, with my classes, I ask them about the five ways of well-being and I talk about my own life and what I'm lacking and I know I'm lacking and I need to do more about. And I'm very open and vulnerable with them and that allows them to be vulnerable and tell me some things mm. and actually locate where they need to focus their attention and enhance mm. that area of their life. Because mm. these five ways were... I think it's chap in England originated it, and he, you know, distilled all of the things you could do, mm. and these five things were the absolute kind of optimization. If you do these five things, this is the five most likely to give you that positive outcome. So well-being is definitely an area that I want to um, pursue. Um, the Luma Schools project is amazing, but I'm the volunteer teacher who runs it, mm. and I think it's got to a stage where I'd love to make it um, sort of. like an outreach you know I think there's so much potential but it's like a time and resource Mm. you know that needs to be it needs to kind of be um, kind of looked at I'd love to do some work in that that gives me a real buzz I did a uh, lucky enough to get a 10-week sabbatical back in 2020 Um, there's like 10 in New Zealand that the Ministry of Education give out and I was lucky enough to get one and it just allowed me for 10 weeks to go round to the schools work with the teachers team teaching um, facilitate support them as they need to and the results were phenomenal mm. and I think if there was an opportunity to do that more mm. that would be phenomenal mm. um, I think career wise I love I've gone into the mechanical engineering space at the moment so I love career wise I love getting authentic projects into schools so we've made a we're making this gear stick this amazing gear stick um, project out of aluminium and acrylic and we've got Hayden Pannon coming in on the 20th after he finishes his Europe tour. He's back on the 20th of June. I feel so cool I even know that. <laughs> and he's going to come in and judge the gear sticks. You know, So those, mm. getting that career-wise, getting authentic projects called local curriculum in sort of education speak into projects that students feel it's for a purpose. I get excited because I've got all of these moving parts that really excite me as a teacher to be involved in. Um, and that kind of space also, I think. But I, I really, I mean, Creative Workshop Co has been going for a couple of years. And I think, you know, I'm only one, one person. Sarah's only one person. And you have all these amazing mm. passions that you've got. And I think it's just a case of maybe prioritizing so which ones. Sort of, I'm just, is, 
Is the venue sort of, do you have it one particular location or do you go to various locations? Yeah, we're, we're, we're very, yeah, we're, we're super flexible. So we've done workshops in mm. um, Delfield here, like personal yep. um, pain and sips. Yep. We've done ones for grieving families yep. to bring them together. Yep. Um, we've done ones for hard courts where mm. we do them for the top Business. 10 salespeople. Yep. Business corporates, we do them for, um, we've done them for like Little Blackwood as well you know so we do the paint sips there mm. so that was sort of like in the middle of covid or just coming out of covid there's a bit of a pivot on the business yeah. we go yeah go to the shelter with the airport the radiologists mm. book us in we find a venue or the mm. venue you know we've got sort of locations mm. around um that um have you seen that space t uh t at maria the... yes yeah so we are i've got some uh space there penciled in for luma workshops okay yep so we've got six running in cromwell we've got just to just to really reach out to that community because there's a lot of young families who'd love to come across but actually it's late it's icy the kids Mm. need to be in bed it's just that extra hour so we've actually facilitated some Mm. workshops there for that Mm. community which is great i've put in to Rotary Queenstown, actually, I was speaking to the president last week about getting some at Tiatamira, <laughs> yeah, in um, in Luma Four in Tiatamira. Mm. So I actually spoke to him whilst cooking dinner on Sunday night, and hopefully I'll hear this week if those are going ahead. Cool. So all those people we reach out to, and we see if we can work with them. Mm. Uh, and we've got a bank of artists that do from origami mm. to. Uh, pattern making to photography to life drawing to what you know name it we've got it um, so we've got this bank of artists as well that we can tap into and get out into the community for those workshops mm. that's cool i guess anything else that you wanted to sort of bring up you you've got you've got a little bit of a thing here. yeah this is how my of... this is how my brain works um oh, i just really wanted to yeah, really just, you know, if you've come and invited me along a wee while ago now, a couple of years, and I was a bit like, I've got nothing to say. No one's interested in what I've got to do. I like my life. I felt the presentation you did, you did. And Roti was, you know, quite quite interesting, well put together, but you're a visual person. so Yeah, yeah. And that was a case of getting, I'm not used to just talking at people didactically, you know, no. like <coughs> the kids I really teach. Good. Yeah, the kids I teach would not respond to being spoken to for 40 minutes. No. So I'm used to engaging the audience yeah. and getting a Look hook a in. Picture or, yeah. And yeah. in that presentation, I think I gave you guys two choices of which story you wanted to hear about <laughs> in my life, you know. Choose your own adventure. Yeah, choose your own. Yeah. And I did that. I do that with the kids to get to know them. Beginning yeah. of the year, I go, which one do you want to know? And there's like there's like a heartbreak one and a police and they all go for the police one, you know, like whoa, whoa. And actually, I was yeah. teaching the other day and um, Nicola, who's the principal of Mac, she popped in and I was like, oh god, what does she think? Of, what does she think I'm up to? But she's she was lovely and she just mm. you know loved the fact that I was getting to know the kids and they were getting to know me. Mm. Um, but yeah, but thanks for having me along. I appreciate it. No, I guess that's that's fantastic. Uh, just maybe a couple of things to finish out. Um, what do you envisage your future looks like? I guess in with the business opportunity you've got and your connection to Queenstown, Cromwell, Wanaka areas, uh, what are your sort of do you have? What are your plans moving forward? Do you think you can you see yourself retiring here? Absolutely, yeah. I live in Pisa Moorings, and that was an unknown entity to me until about two years ago when I was, saw a good friend of mine there, mm. and I just um, sold a few. Uh, well, a place in Queenstown and I went to see her for lunch and then we went house shopping because it was so beautiful out there. So I was, I'll definitely be in this area. 
mm. because it's so beautiful. It is, yeah. um, I love Pisa Moorings because it's, it's halfway between Queen's, so it's halfway between Wanaka. So I go to work yeah. in Wanaka and I pop over, you know, for yeah. things like this. And yeah. um, So this area is definitely where it's going to be. And I think Future Eyes to build the Creative Workshop Co, mm. to get out into the communities and to let people know that we're around for you know, all kind of workshops, not just, you know, paint and sips. It's very much, you know, we just had some um, wonderful ones in Easter, which were painting techniques and stencils and origami and um, hat making, you know, there's so mm. much in that space to do. And it's supposed to about getting people out there um, and know that we're here. And that Luma schools program is, you know, even though amazing and, you know, I think pre-COVID it's like 60,000 people were, were, were viewing, you know, mm. like people and visitors. Mm. Um, and the fact that you have work there from students, you don't really know it's a student exhibition because it's so great. Um, I think there's lots of potential to grow that as well. Mm. Um, and then, I mean, I've been at Mac for two years now. Great school. Technology department is amazing. Um, and the principal's the most caring principal I've ever worked so under. Of, is it like a, how many hours a week? Like, what's your sort of, is it full-time, part-time? What, what yeah, full-time, full-time, full time. yeah, full-time. I think we have any part-time teachers actually in our department. Everyone's full-time. Technology teachers are quite hard to find as well. Mm. So, um, yeah, we're all full-time. And, yeah, I think, I think that's, you know, I've been there two years and I've started to bring in a bit more local mm. curriculum. You know, I finished mm. a mural off in the holidays as well, just for, like, the school and just kind of starting to find my way in that school as well because every yeah. in every place is different and you find your groove wherever you are i mean and finally i guess how, with the balance on on your life if that's full-time you've got your business where do you do you see your business sort of taking that over the, the teach you know the working at the school college yeah or do you see that fading out over time what, what do you yeah I, i'm one of these ones that i think if you have a firm plan i mean when have you ever made a firm plan if you looked back at your life mm. You couldn't have made a plan for what your life has has gone, the directions, you know. Mm. So I I don't really go like this is what I want to do. I'm gonna do that, come head on high water. Mm. I just think I'm gonna um, work on creative workshops. Yep. You know, and I'm gonna do that on my holidays and the weekends, and we're gonna work really hard for that and building it up and getting a network and letting people know we're doing what we're doing, and then we'll see where that goes. And then we've got the Luma, you know. Um, yeah. schools program that's that's got that sort of international light festival and I'm like oh that's really energizing you know mm. to be, kind of be a part of that team yeah and then I've got my sort of technology mechanical engineering learning heaps um in that role like full-time at Mac which is an amazing school and loads of potential as well but always my thing is about um making sure that I actually have some time to rejuvenate myself mm. because I find these things really energizing they're not draining for me but actually I do need some time out at some stage sometimes. So, I mean, it's, it's, to, so what I'm summarizing there, you, you've, you, that's, you've got enough energy in your life that, that feeds mm. motivation a bit as well and, and keeps you sort of mm. I don't really have to, I don't feel like I need to choose one over the other. Yeah, I no, can do it all. I feel you can do like. it all and, and, and obviously yeah, look after yeah. little one as well. So. Absolutely. Yeah, my beautiful little five-year-old who, you're into jiu-jitsu, aren't you? 
Yeah, I've been doing it for, since August, yeah. Yeah, well, she just did her first competition last weekend <laughs> in Queenstown. Were you there? No, I wasn't there, actually, but oh, I yeah. could probably... I'll have to go to one of these ones. Yeah, yeah, so she had, like, a no-gi first competition, oh, and she yeah. won silver, and I was like, oh, baby. How long has she been doing it? She's five years old. Oh, she's only she... been just doing it, I guess, a year. Yeah, she's been, I think, since last July, so nine months or so. Yeah. So, yeah, she was... You know, she's a delight, and, mm. you know, we... I mean, I've brought her up, you know, so mm. she loves... Painting and, and on the paddleboard and kayaking and just like looking at the bees, you know, she's she loves kind of the stuff that I love to do. She likes to be active and she likes sleeping a lot, which is exactly what I like to do as well. Yeah. Okay. It's been a pleasure to have you on the podcast. We've unfortunately ran out of time. I'd love to probably keep going, okay. but uh, you've got somewhere to be and I'd like to have a quick look at this um, this bridge down at Edith Cavill. So uh, that's been fantastic. Thank you very much. My uh, pleasure. I really appreciate it. We'll get it uploaded shortly. Uh, as well. Thank you very much, Bex Hambra. Nice one. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. No worries at all.